Chapter 12 of The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila Translated and edited by E. Allison Pierce We now come to some other little things which are also of great importance, though they will appear trifling. All this seems a great task, and so it is, for it means warring against ourselves. But once we begin to work, God, too, works in our souls and bestows such favors on them that the most we can do in this life seems to us very little. And we nuns are doing everything we can by giving up our freedom for the love of God and entrusting it to another and in putting up with so many trials, fasts, silence, enclosure, service and choir, that however much we might want to indulge ourselves, we can do so only occasionally. Perhaps in all the convents I have seen, I am the only nun guilty of self-indulgence. Why, then, do we shrink from interior mortification, since this is the means by which every other kind of mortification may become more meritorious and perfect, so that it can be practiced with greater tranquility and ease. This, as I have said, is acquired by gradual progress, and by never indulging our own will and desire, even in small things, until we have succeeded in subduing the body to the spirit. I repeat that this consists mainly or entirely in our ceasing to care about ourselves and our own pleasures, for the least that anyone who is beginning to serve the Lord truly can offer him is his life. Once he has surrendered his will to him, what has he to fear? It is evident that if he is a true religious and a man of prayer and aspires to the enjoyment of divine consolations, he must not turn back or shrink from desiring to die and suffer martyrdom for his sake. And do you not know, sisters, that the life of a good religious who wishes to be among the closest friends of God is one long martyrdom. I say long, for by comparison with decapitation, which is over very quickly, it may well be termed so, though life itself is short, and some lives are short in the extreme. How do we know but that ours will be so short? that it may end only one hour or one moment after the time of resolving to render our entire service to God. This would be quite possible, and so we must not store by anything that comes to an end, least of all by life, since not a day of it is secure. Who, if he thought that each hour might be his last, would not spend it in labor? Believe me, it is safest to think that this is so. By so doing, we shall learn to subdue our wills in everything. For if, as I have said, you are very careful about your prayer, you will soon find yourselves gradually reaching the summit of the mountain without knowing how. But how harsh it sounds to say that we must take pleasure in nothing, unless we also say what consolations and delights this renunciation brings in its train. And what a great gain it is, even in this life, what security it gives us. Here, as you all practice this, you have done the principal part. Each of you encourages and helps the rest, and each of you 
must try to outstrip her sisters. Be very careful about your interior thoughts, especially if they have to do with precedence. May God, by his passion, keep us from expressing or dwelling upon such thoughts as these. But I am her senior in the order. But I am older. But I have worked harder. But that other sister is being better treated than I am. If these thoughts come, you must quickly check them. If you allow yourselves to dwell on them or introduce them into your conversation, they will spread like the plague. And in religious houses, they may give rise to great abuses. Remember, I know a great deal about this. If you have a prioress who allows such things, however trifling, you must believe that God has permitted her to be given to you because of your sins and that she will be the beginning of your ruin. Cry to him and let your whole prayer be that he may come to your aid by sending you either a religious or a person given to prayer. For if anyone prays with a resolve to enjoy the favors and consolations which God bestows in prayer, it is always well that he should have this detachment. You may ask why I lay such stress on this, and think that I am being too severe about it, and say that God grants consolations to persons less completely detached than that. I quite believe he does. For in his infinite wisdom, he sees that this will enable him to leave everything for his sake. I do not mean by leaving everything, entering the religious life, for there may be obstacles to this, and the soul that is perfect can be detached and humble anywhere. It will find detachment harder in the world, however, for worldly trappings will be a great impediment to it. Still, believe me in this. Questions of honor and desires for property can arise within convents as well as outside them, and the more temptations of this kind are removed from us, the more we are to blame if we yield to them. Though persons who do so may have spent years in prayer, or rather in meditation, for perfect prayer eventually destroys all these attachments, they will never make great progress or come to enjoy the real fruit of prayer. Ask yourself, sisters, if these things, which seem so insignificant, mean anything to you. For the only reason you are here is that you may detach yourselves from them. Nobody honors you any the more for having them, and they lose you advantages which might have gained you more honor. The result is that you get both dishonor and loss at the same time. Let each of you ask herself how much humility she has and she will see what progress she has made. If she really is humble, I do not think the devil will dare to tempt her to take even the slightest interest in matters of precedence, for he is so sure that he is afraid of the blow she would strike him. If a humble soul is tempted in this way by the devil, that virtue cannot fail to bring her more fortitude and greater profit. For clearly the temptation will cause her to look into her life to compare the services she has rendered the Lord with what she owes him and with a marvelous way in which he has abased himself to give us an example of humility and to think over her sins and remember where she deserves to be on account of them. Exercises like this bring the soul such profit that on the following day Satan will not dare to come back again lest he should get his head broken. Take this advice from me, and do not forget it. 
You should see to it that your sisters profit by your temptations, not only interiorly, where it would be very wrong if they did not, but exteriorly as well. If you want to avenge yourselves on the devil and free yourselves more quickly from temptation, ask the superior, as soon as temptation comes to you, to give you some lowly office to do or do some such thing as best you can on your own initiative, studying as you do it how to bend your will to perform tasks you dislike. The Lord will show you ways of doing so. God deliver us from people who wish to serve him, yet who are mindful of their own honor. Reflect how little they gain from this. For, as I have said, the very act of desiring honor robs us of it, especially in matters of precedence. There is no poison in the world which is so fatal to perfection. You will say that these are little things which have to do with human nature and are not worth troubling about. Do not trifle with them, for in religious houses they spread like a foam on water, and there is no small matter so extremely dangerous as our punctiliousness about honor and sensitiveness to insult. Do you know one reason, apart from many others, why this is so? It may have its root, perhaps in some trivial slight, hardly anything in fact, and the devil will then induce someone else to consider it important, so that she will think it is a real charity to tell you about it, and to ask you how you can allow yourself to be insulted so. And she will pray that God may give you patience, and that you may offer it to him, for even a saint could not bear more. The devil is simply putting his deceitfulness into this other person's mouth. And though you yourself are quite ready to bear the slight, you are tempted to vainglory because you have not resisted something else as perfectly as you should. This human nature of ours is so wretchedly weak that even when we are telling ourselves that there is nothing for us to make a fuss about, we imagine we are doing something virtuous and begin to feel sorry for ourselves, particularly when we see that other people are sorry for us too. In this way, the soul begins to lose the occasions of merit which it had gained. It becomes weaker, and thus a door is open to the devil by which he can enter on some other occasion with a temptation worse than the last. It may even happen that, when you yourself are prepared to suffer an insult, your sisters come and ask you if you are a beast of burden and say you ought to be more sensitive about things. Oh, my sisters, for the love of God, Never let charity move you to show pity for another and anything to do with these fancied insults. For that is like the pity shown to Holy Job by his wife and friends. 